You know, I'm thankful for missionaries. When they get started off, it is not easy. But thank you, thank the Lord for just men who just kind of stay by it and get God's wisdom how to build a church. And we thank the Lord for that. Lift up the Chad Pape family before the Lord in prayer. And we're thankful for what God's doing to them. Let's stand and take our Bibles tonight. First Kings chapter 1. First Kings chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, maybe look to your neighbor next to you to share their Bible with you. If you don't have a King James Version of the Bible, please uh, share that. Hey, let me say this for the Sunday night crowd, okay? This is very, very important. We have a lot of folks that come and visit our church. We average anywhere from 5 to 20 visitors on a given Sunday, on adults. And a lot of them don't use the King James Version. They come from, they come from another church and understand the dynamics of that. As, as a Bible believer, you should be excited about the King James Version of the Bible, Amen. We believe it's God's preserved word, that God has preserved his word. Now, the King James itself is not inspired. The original manuscripts are inspired. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not, we're, we don't believe in this double inspiration stuff. That's, that's Ruckmanism, okay? But we do believe God inspired the, the, original, the original transcripts. And so we have to understand tonight as we, we, we teach the Word of God that those who use a different version have a corrupted version they're using. There's missing words, missing verses, all kinds of other issues like that, and affects the doctrine of what people believe. So please help me, if you would, when I say on Sunday mornings or Sunday night, share your Bible with folks. They need to know that there's, there's only one standard translation we use in Heritage Baptist Church. Now, they're going to say, they will say things, well, you're a cult or whacked out, whatever. If you know your Bible well enough, you don't, you don't understand the issue, you can sit down and help them understand the translation issues and help them to see side-by-side comparison so they can understand. We've helped many, many people understand that they've been using the wrong version for years, and we want to get them on the right version. So would you help me with that? Amen. Amen. You help with that tonight, because we thank God for His Word. Hey, listen, in China right now, they've taken all the Bibles off the, off, off the shelves. Okay. There's Bible issues going on in China right now. It's a little frightening. I, the, the one that some of the missionaries are using right now, I'm a little concerned because it's gone, they're doing a revision. And you can't tell people you've got, a, you've, got the, you've got the Word of God and then you're doing another revision on it. That, that, that's not very good. You've got to make sure you've got the right standard version there. So, so please, you know, we, we need to remember Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. But there's some who don't have the right version of the Word of God. It's important they have the right version of the Word of God. That's a doctrinal issue there. So please understand that. And by the way, that goes for just any preacher that preaches there. If I, if I find a preacher who wants to preach here and he comes up, he comes up, uses the wrong version of the Bible, he's not allowed back in this pulpit. We only use the King James Version. Say amen. Come on. Wake up. Come on. You're, you're in church tonight, all right? You're not in the nursery. Nursery, they can sleep, okay? The nursery, the verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 51. We shall all sleep. They can do that in the nursery, all right? And then it says, and we shall be changed, okay? So they, they can do the nursery, not in the main service, all right? You don't sleep here. 1 Kings 1. 1 Kings 1. Say amen. You're there, so I know you're not in 2 Kings. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now, King David was old and stricken in years. And they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Wherefore, his servant said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord, the king, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord, the king, may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coasts of Israel, and they found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair and cherished a king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Notice verse 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king, and repaired him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And the, his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred, that is Adonijah, he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they, following Adonijah, helped him. 
Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei, and Rei, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and cattle by the stone of Zoheleth, which is by Enrogel. And he called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. I want to preach a message tonight. You're going to want to kind of wonder where I'm going with this. I want to preach a message tonight, how to beat the cold. How to beat the cold. We just I want you to stay tuned tonight and focus. If you get distracted, you're going to miss the main point this evening. I want you to just focus with me. We're going to just give you an expository message tonight on how to beat the cold. Now, Lord, tonight, we, 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 need you to, we need you tonight more than we've ever needed you before, Lord. Lord, we need your power. Lord, we need your love. Lord, we need your long suffering. We need the fruit of the Spirit abounding in our hearts. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and truth and righteousness. Father, we need boldness in the faith. Lord, we need courage. God, we need to witness more. Lord, we need to pray more. Lord, we need more of your presence. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, we need to be like the heart that panteth after the water book, that our soul would pant after thee, O O God. Father, tonight we need more faith. Lord, tonight we need to be challenged further in our Christian life. We have a friend day around the corner. We have our revival meetings coming up. And then, God, we're getting towards the tail end of the year with just many things going on that we need to give attention to. And Lord, you know tonight that even as I I preach this evening to, Lord, the just the wonderful congregation of Heritage Baptist Church, this membership that's here. Thank you, Lord, for faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for all the members represented here tonight. And there's some who have burdens and concerns. There's some who've got family members. The cancer hasn't gone away. Some here tonight, Lord, they've, they've got financial issues. They'll still be the same problems tomorrow. There's some who've got work problems and people that are giving them difficulties in their home and their families. Those problems will still be here tomorrow. And God, they, they need to see that you're real and true. And then, Lord, tonight we, we realize that in the Christian faith that, God, we there are times and, and moments where we're just on fire for God and things are exciting and things are going well. And then there's other times, Lord, we just don't want anybody to know that we're struggling. And Father, I pray that you love your congregation through this passage tonight. Father, I pray tonight that you'll lift burdens at Calvary. I pray tonight that we find greater faith in the power of God for our lives. And I pray this evening that you'll help my mind, my thoughts to be clear. And I pray that even as you've given this message, I pray that you would just make this passage come alive in the hearts and lives of your people tonight. Father, we need something great and mighty from the Lord tonight. Meet with us, visit with we pray. I pray for power from on high. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's mid-October and the common cold is already starting up. Once school gets going, it's amazing how when the weather changes, school gets going, how children come home with the cold, and mama gets the cold, and then it spreads to the kids, and last one to get is daddy, and then after daddy gets it, starts all over again, doesn't it? Just all around the home there. Here's what they say. In families with children in school, the number of colds per child can be as high as 12 a year. I believe that because we have some families that suffer through that. Adults average about two to four colds a year, although the range might vary widely. Women, especially those ages 20, 
20 to 30 of years of age have more colds than men, possibly because of their closer contact with children. Cold symptoms usually start two or three days after a person has been exposed to the virus. People with colds are more contagious for the first three to four days after the symptoms begin and can be contagious for up to three weeks. I appreciate people that are sick. They say, don't touch me. I've got a cold. And I'll go like this. Yes, I'm not going to touch you. I've got to stay healthy, right? And uh, we understand that today. According to USA Today, they said in 2015, Americans, this is what's reported, Americans spent $328 billion. Think about that. $328 billion for prescription medications for colds and flus. Colds are prevalent. We are in the midst of cold season. There's a common cold. But we also have this uniqueness that there are some people who by their physical makeup are colder than others. Right now I feel the wind blowing. I don't know if it's from the fans or from the AC, but I can tell the ladies are bundling up a little bit more because it's cold. Some of us by nature are more cold. Now for me, I love cold air. I love I love to have the wind blowing on me. But there's some that are not and we want to be respectful of the fact that maybe just just because of their physical makeup they can't it's just a little bit colder for them. But some by nature are colder. When it gets to winter time as we're shaking hands at the door, sometimes some will come up and say, man, Pastor, your hands are hard, are, are, are hot or they're cold. And sometimes I'll touch, a, a, I'll shake hands with a, with a church member, their hands are extremely cold, and you'll wonder, man, they're all bundled up and they've got to take their gloves off, their hands are still cold, whatever they're... But sometimes some people are cold. Some people are more colder tonight. They need more blankets than other people. It's just what it is. People get cold. And we're looking tonight about this matter of coldness, how to beat the cold. Notice our passage of Scripture tonight. It begins with verse 1. It says, David was old and stricken in years... And they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Can you imagine that? Here's the king who was a giant killer. Here's a king that put fear in the hearts of the Philistines. He's almost 70 years of age. In fact, he might have been 70 years of age or 69 years of age as this chapter has been written. And the Bible says he was old, stricken in years, and he got no heat. He was at the place of life where the circulation was not there. He was cold. Physically, he was cold all the time. His, his servants saw he was cold. They saw he put on more clothes than other people. They saw him during summertime and when it was warm, when others would have short sleeves. He had long sleeves and he had a jacket on. He had a cold on. He was cold. Physically, he was cold. When you feel like you're cold, you, you feel like you're going to catch a cold. When you have a cold, you feel miserable. When you have a cold, you don't want to be around other people. Now, there's a practical message for us. Notice in this passage, the passage, this message we're looking at tonight, there's a possibility of you and I becoming spiritually cold. The Bible speaks about that. We can catch a spiritual cold or we can become spiritually cold. The Bible says where iniquity abounds, the love of many shall grow cold. We're looking tonight how you and I can beat the cold. I want you to see some three simple practical thoughts tonight about 1 Kings number 1. Chapter number 1, which you notice tonight, let's look at the reason why we catch a cold. Look at the reason tonight why we catch a cold. Now, the Bible tells us twice in chapter 1, that actually three times, twice in chapter 1, another time in First Chronicles, that David was old. Notice in chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Bathsheba went into the king, unto the chamber, and the king was very old. First Chronicles 23, 1. So when David was old and full of days, David was an older man. Hey, you can't stop the aging process. You're going to get old, and I'm going to get old. We're going to age a little along the way. Our hair will change color. Our Circulation will slow down. You might be very warm-blooded now, but over time you might get cold. David was cold. He was at a place in life where he just couldn't get the circulation going. Notice we see the reason for this. Number one, we see a status. David was waning. 
David was getting old. As you get older, you slow down. As you get older, your activity lessens. As you get older, your motivation diminishes. Things are not the same. If you want to understand what happens when you get old, read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's kind of an eye-opener. It's an wake-up call. What happens there? David was waning, but David was weakening. David at 70 did not possess the vigor that he had at 17. David did not have the same strength as he did 20 years before. He was more susceptible to diseases. His metabolism changed. He could have had high blood pressure. He could have had other things going on. He could have had genetic disorders. He was waning. He was weakening. Hey, bear in mind, physically, we're going to wane. We're going to get weaker. We find that our grip may not be as strong. We're going to find that our eyesight may not be as sharp. We're going to find that we don't move at the pace that we did before. That's just the natural aging process. David was old and he got no heat. The longer we're saved, the more likely we'll lose our heat and be cold. Now, when I ask you a question tonight as we start, are you feeling cold in the Word of God? Are you feeling cold about praying? Are you feeling like tonight as I ask the church to get behind the friend? Are you feeling cold about inviting people to church? Are you feeling cold about, about just, uh, just being active and winning souls? Are you feeling cold about giving out a track? Have you found that your activity is not the same? I'm just asking tonight. You don't have to answer it, but I'm just saying tonight. Dear, are you feeling cold? Are you feeling cold towards getting the gospel? Are you feeling cold about just going to church? Are you feeling cold about being under preaching? Are you feeling cold about being an independent Baptist? I'm just saying tonight, are you feeling cold? I mean, we see these reasons that are going on for David. We see his status. But notice the symptoms of coldness. When you lose your warmth, you tend to withdraw and would reduce involvement. Notice David was old and strict in years. He didn't, he didn't want to be around people. You get cold, you don't feel like being around other people. That to force people around you. When, when you lose, when you, when you lose your worth, you have diminished desires. Dave was a, li- a place in life. Listen, he just was not doing the things he did before. Hey, when you lose your worth, you don't have as much vision as you had before. When you lose your warmth, you find that you have diminished desires, a diminished vision. You lose your warmth, you avoid people. When you lose your warmth, you have a tendency to become more complacent and different. Uh, you get, when you lose your warmth, you get used to other people doing things for you. That's what's happening with David. Those are the symptoms. I wonder tonight if we notice symptoms of coldness in our lives. Do we find that there's, there's a, that we have a less of a, of a, of a fervent attitude about things? We find we're attracted to things we shouldn't be attracted to. Do we find that we're repelling things that we should, that we shouldn't be repelling and things that we should we should be against there i'm just saying tonight david was at the place where the symptoms were there but his coldness overtook him he was overwhelmed by that we see the reasons tonight notice number two which you notice the reactions to the coldness we see some reactions about david's coldness first of all do you notice we see a reaction that is affectionate notice in verse one they covered him with clothes Someone had to do something. Hey, I'm glad tonight, brethren. I'm glad tonight when you get saved, when you got saved and I got saved, God clothes us with the robes of righteousness. Amen. I'm glad I'm covered with his love. I'm thankful. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful, my God, for he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decking himself with ornaments and as a bride adorned herself with her jewels. Hey, he was covered with clothing. He said, well, let's bundle him up. Let's give him something else. Hey, aren't you glad that when... 
when we were at the, when we were poor and destitute and in need of Christ, Jesus saved us and He put those robes of salvation upon us and the garment salvation. He covered us up. But you know, even over time, we need to realize that we need to be covered with God's love and God's mercy and forgiveness. Look at Luke fifteen twenty two. The Bible says about the father, the prodigal, and the father said to his servants, "Bring forth the best robe and put it on him." Hey, his son was in tattered clothing. His son needed to get covered up. He needed to be clothed. Hey, I'm thankful tonight we have a God who loves us and He just covers us and bathes us with His love. And He bathes us with His mercy. And He bathes us with His forgiveness. And He bathes us with security where there's insecurity. And He gives us courage where there's fear. I'm going to just say tonight, when you get this place, when a little bit coldness sets in, thank God tonight we have a God who covers us up. Amen? He was covered with clothing. But notice, He was covered with company. The servants were trying to think of, of, of something to do here. And please don't read something immoral in this, what I'm going to say. They said, we need to find a young virgin, they said, to just kind of just lie on him in the sense of just keep him warm. They needed, he needed body heat to make him warm. They didn't mean anything immoral about that. And David was not a place where he was thinking anything immoral. And they brought the Abishag, the Shunammite, into his life. They gave him cup. And here's the thought I want you to see tonight. When you're cold, if there's a tendency to withdraw from the fellowship of God's people. When you're cold, there's a tendency you want to make the first way out. You don't want to stick around. It's not because you don't have a, it's not necessarily because you don't have a busy schedule or because the kids have to go to school. I think we have to go beyond that. I think we have to ask ourselves, is there just an aversion about being around people? Is there an aversion to fellowship? And notice this here. They had to find someone to get nose close to them. And I just want to say tonight, it's a good thing to get back into the company of God's people when you're getting cold. It's a good thing to get in fellowship with God's people and realize tonight that you get warm. Hey, if you want to get, if you want to get fired up about soul winning, go with a soul winner. You want to get fired up about praying again? Get with somebody who will pray with you. You want to get fired up about the Word of God? Get somebody who's excited about the Word of God. You want to be around somebody that's bubbly? Get around somebody that's bubbly. You want to get back your joy? Get back the joy by being around somebody that's joyful. Hey, if you get around somebody that's discouraging, guess what? You're going to be discouraged too. You know, somebody's bitter. You're going to be bitter too. I mean, we want to get that back. We've got to get back to the copy of God's people. Now, notice some things here. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. We need the right Christian fellowship to warm us up. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness heart. Hey, listen, I'm thankful for what that says in verse 46. I'm glad they had meals in their homes. They invited people over. But I'm going to put a caveat to that. You don't have meals in your home and do things outside there. And you talk against the church. You talk against the doctrine. And you bring your own false doctrine to that. That's wrong. That's unethical. That's not to be done. Amen. Do that happens. I'm for hospitality and I'm for spreading it. But not when the hospitality extends itself. Where we're instead of having roast beef, we have roast pastor fong. I think I'm just going to stay there. And I'm just saying tonight, Christian fellowship means we agree on the same doctrine. Notice what it says in verse 46, 47. And they continue daily with one accord in the temple. By the way, the one accord in the temple means we agree about preaching. We agree about offerings. We agree about prayer meetings. We agree about friend days. We agree about missions. We agree about sacrifice. We agree about exercising faith. We agree the world needs Jesus. Okay, they continue daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. Hey, listen, they weren't in their own little cliques, turning around. I want to be around my own little friends, do my own little things. Hey, they got concerned about a Mildred. Wong says Mildred might need a meal tonight. And when they did eat, they ate their meat with gladness. Hey, mealtime is not to be a time where you gripe and moan and complain about things. Listen, if your family's having trouble and all you do is sit around the table at dinner time, hey, dinner time is supposed to be a peaceful time, amen? 
Not talking about problems, difficulties, and make it controversial. Dinner time should be a time we rejoice together in the Lord and say, Hey, what did the Lord do for you today? And if nothing happened in your life, you could just say, Well, God just gave me a, got, got me up this morning and I had a good day. Amen. He said they, 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 they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Notice, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as to be saved. Now I'm just saying tonight, I don't think there's anything wrong with our fellowship, but I can say tonight, if we're feeling this sense of coldness, this sense of withdrawal, this aversion to people, I don't want to be around people, I want to be antisocial. I'll tell you the problem is, you're not involved with the right Christian fellowship because the Bible says, iron sharpened is iron. And a friend sharpened the countenance of his friend. And you notice here in that church that you have these people that were all of different backgrounds. They were poor and they were rich. They were slaves and they were employers. You had all these different groups of people and you had a large number of Jews. And how many understand tonight? If you put a bunch of Jews in a room together, it's not long before they start arguing with each other. And so they started doing that, but the Bible says here they got saved, and they started praising God, and they started having rejoicing. And the Bible says because there was unity, because there was solidarity, as we talked about this morning, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That right doctrine, right fellowship. A little girl once cried out in the night. Her mother heard and went to her bedroom. She said, what's wrong, honey? She says, I'm afraid of the dark. Mama, can I sleep with you and Daddy? Mother thought about that. She says, well, I don't know. She said, but mommy, I'm very scared. She said, come on over. And finally, she snuggled up next to her mom in the bed between her and the daddy. And she, the mama said this. She said, it was dark over there. And, and, and oh, dark over there, said the little child. Yes, replied the mother, but it's dark over here. But the little girl said this. Yes, it's dark over here as well. But the difference is I have you with me. You know what's good about Christian fellowship? When you're in the dark, thank God you got somebody with you. Yeah. Yeah. We see a reason that was affectionate. Reaction was affectionate. But notice verses 5 to 10. We see reaction was affectionate. But notice we see a reaction that was adversarial. There were some who wanted to capitalize on the fact that David was cold. Verse 1 says, King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Then verse 5 says, Then... There's a sequence. Then... And Anijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he repaired him king, chariots and horse, and 50 men to run before him. Adonijah was one of David's sons. Adonijah was an egotistical maniac. He was a narcissist. He said, I exalt himself. I will be king. He wanted his personality to be known. Now, Solomon was supposed to be the king. Because if you read First Chronicles 22 to the end of, uh, of Chronicles, I think chapter 28 or 29, it tells us that David made very clear that all the nation knew that Solomon would be the next king. But David had gotten to a place where because he lost his heat and he was cold, he had removed himself from the affairs of the kingdom. He was not making executive decisions. He was not casting vision. He was not exercising faith. He was not praying like he did. And all the servants saw was a king standing there uh, there on the side, shivering. And by the way, as we look at David, we don't see David the king in this chapter. We see David the individual. And I want you to imagine you as being David right now. He's standing there in the corner and he's shivering and he's cold and he just doesn't want to be around people. And he's feeling miserable and he's feeling sick and he's feeling more sick than he is feeling well and he's feel, not feeling very good and here's Adonijah Adonijah's watching all this and here's this kid with this big ego and he's rising up and he finally decides on that day listen the king is cold my father's cold he's not doing very well he's withdrawn himself there's no vision there's no faith there's no prayer there's no bible I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to elevate myself to the throne It's kind of interesting. We read chapter 1 here. 
And it says his mother bare him after Absalom. He and Absalom were good friends. He got Absalom tendencies. He started to learn what Absalom was doing. Absalom rubbed off on him. He remembered what happened to Absalom. He said, I will be king. Listen, you notice right here, as he does this, notice some things that happened with him. Look at verse verse 5. He says, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And we find that he had some influence that he built within there to kind of get some people motivated to go ahead of him. Now watch this here. Later on, the Bible says in verse 7, he confers with Joab, the son of Zariah, and Abiathar are the priest. Now that's interesting. Watch this now. He's got Joab, who represents the military. He's got Abiathar, who represents organized religion or spirituality. Hey, watch this. We're, we're, we're anarchy. Ha- well, watch what happens here. We have this son. Now, watch this now. We got Adonijah, the son, and he lines himself with people that are sympathetic with his same feelings because Joab really wasn't on the same page with David. In fact, if anything, Joab was a thorn in David's flesh over a period of time, but David just kind of tolerated him. And then you have, you have on top of that, Abiathar. Abiathar still had a, had a thorn in his side about David because David David was there at, at the city of Nob when his father got killed. And maybe something triggered Abiathar as David got weaker and older. He thought, you know what? David is a loser of a king. He's not really doing any of the cast vision. He's not passing any faith. He's not doing any of these things there. And so uh, Adonijah knew that. He knew who the grumblers were and the complainers were. And they got together. Hey, guys, you know, scorners know how to find themselves in church. And notice, Joab, if you want to write this in your notes, Joab represented the military in that pictured anarchy. He needed a strong man to push the anarchy. By the way, where rebellion happens, rebellion never is a single alone act. Then you've got Abiathar, who represents the priest, and he pictures apostasy. So you've got things lined up. You've got this son here. Now remember, I'm going to focus on the son tonight. You've got this son here by the name of Adonijah. On one end, he's got someone to lead the anarchy. On the other hand, he's got somebody to lead the apostasy. He's got his bases covered. Hey, that's what happens in church. You get somebody who wants to take the doctrine a different direction. It's apostasy. You have somebody else that uses their strong personality and their influence because that's what Joab had to kind of push anarchy in, in the midst there. Well, it gets a little more interesting than that. Notice something else. Notice verse 7, he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar, the priest. You know, colds are contagious. It's easier to give you a cold than it is to give you heat. Hey, where iniquity bounds, the love of many grows cold. David was cold. And listen, Joab knew it, and Abiathar knew it, and Adonijah knew it. And as his cold was going there, it started, to, it started to have its repercussions throughout the kingdom there. Notice something else here. We're told something about, about Adonijah in verse 6. It says, and his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, why hast thou done so? Adonijah was an overindulged son. Listen to me, parents. Don't dote on your kids. Don't dote on your kids. I said, don't dote on your kids. Don't overindulge your kids. That's not Mr. Prince or Mrs. Princess. Train up a child in the way in which he should go. And when he's old, he should not depart from it. Hey, if you got this heart, you feel like if you're gonna, if you're gonna discipline your child, you're gonna hurt the child. The Bible gives very good, encouraging instruction in the book of Proverbs. You will not kill him. You may feel like killing him, but you won't kill him. Amen? Okay? David let him get away with things that should have been corrected. He got away with rebellion. Notice, his father had not displeased him any time to watch the application. Watch out for those areas of our lives that we let slip and go by. Think for a minute. Watch out for those areas of your life that you let slip and go by. You're wondering why I moved all those chairs out this evening. I'm tired of sin happening in the back row there. 
You're not paying attention back there. There's fooling around on cell phones and other stuff like that. Hey, you need to pay attention to the Word of God. Listen, when you come to God's house, it's not about Pastor Fong. It's about Jesus Christ. We're to give reverence to God. We're to honor God. He's the one being lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw him into myself. There ought not to be a focus on attention to what's going on here or new people coming to church or seeing people goofing off and fooling around. I had to reprimand some people on this side and some folks going on the other side. Hey, listen, we come to church. We need to live for God. And teachers, you need to help reinforce the people. You come to church, show some reverence to God. Amen. Watch out for those areas of life where we let things slip because God's watching. Watch out for those unconfessed sins in our life. His father never said, why hast thou done so? I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm telling you, you've done so. Because David sat there in the kingdom, he got to place in life, he just let things pass by because he got cold. He got cold to doctrine. He got cold to the things of God. He got cold to defending faith. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you can be saved for a long period of time, get old like him, and you're going to get cold to the things of God because you're going to say, well, that's just the way we do things. That may be the way you do things, but that's not the way God does things. Amen? Notice something else here about him. It says he was a very goodly man. That means he was good looking. First, his looks, not his virtues. He was appealing to the eye. Hey, can I tell you something? Satan always makes wrong look good. Satan always makes wrong look good. Dr. Rice wrote a, preached a sermon years ago. All of Satan's apples have worms. Not only did what Adonijah do look good to him, it looked good to a lot of other people. Because Joab said, no problem. Barthar said, hey, by the way, these are leaders. These are leaders. Hey, influence. You're either going to use your influence for the glory of God, or you're going to use your influence to divide the church. There's no middle ground. They used their influence. They said, well, we're looking for the opportunity because David was called. David got cold. He wasn't paying attention to things. He withdrew himself from the... Hey, listen, Satan always wants to make things look good. Listen, David's cold opened a big door for adversarial reaction. But notice something else. It gets even more intriguing. Let's, let's go a little bit further down. Notice verse 9. In verse 8, he doesn't call those closest to David because he knows they're not in favor. They, he knows what's going on. And I deny slew sheep and ox and fat cattle by the stone of Zohelith, which is by Enrogel. And he called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servant. Hey, watch what he's doing, verse 9. First of all, look at the location. He goes to this place called Zohelith. Write this in your Bible. Zohelith means a serpent. Hey, the serpent was raising its ugly head again. Isn't it interesting? Of all the places he could go to, to magnify himself and broadcast he was king, he went to a place that's named the serpent. The serpent's not shy about manifesting who he is and what he does. And this place is called Zohila, which is by Enrogel. Enrogel was a boundary line. It was a boundary line between Judah and Benjamin. Listen, this man got on the boundary line. He crossed the border. He broke a boundary line. He crossed the line there. He went to the place called Serpent across the border line, and he started slaying sheep and oxen. Hey, that sounds to me like King Saul. King Saul did the very same thing because he wasn't interested in following authority. He didn't want to hear what the high priest had to say. He couldn't wait for Samuel. And listen, he got to the place. He said, I'm going to exercise authority. And so he makes this big, he makes this big uproar. He brings all the people there. I want you to imagine with me here, this place called Zahilith, there at Unrogo, this place at the boundary line. He brings all the people there, this great stone, and they know what it means. And they're coming, first of all, 
they're coming perhaps a little apprehensively, but now he starts slaying the sheep, he's slaying the oxen, and the people are feeling uncomfortable because they know that should be the work of the priest, but he's got old Abiathar standing right next to him, and he's got old Joab standing next to him, so he doesn't feel any qualms about it, he doesn't feel any rejection about it, because Abiathar's with him, and Joab's with him, so he's slaying these sheep, and slaying these oxen, and he's going on with this, and he's just making all this, this, this uproar about himself, and getting people to appreciate him, and people are loving him, and thinking, man, we've got a king that's slaying the sheep, we've got a king that's doing the office of the priest, we've got a king that's doing all the things that David didn't do, and David's here in the cold, David has no idea any of this is going on. David's sitting there shivering around because he's got the cold. While, while this young man on Adonijah is slaying the sheep and slaying the oxen and bringing all the attention to himself, he wants people to think, hey, I'm the king, I belong king, and I want you to know that I'm doing everything a king should do because I should be in control. It's about the son. Notice something else. All this is going on. Where's David. Verse 11 comes up. Verse 10, Nathan, Benaiah, and Solomon were not called. Now I want you to notice two things tonight. Notice this. The battle is about the son. Solomon's the rightful king. Adonijah rises up. I will be king. David was called. The battle was about the son. The battle was about the sun. Because as David got cold, he started waning, he started weakening, and he wasn't paying attention. And Solomon now is left out in the cold as well. Solomon was at the place where both he and Bathsheba were at risk of losing their lives. And David as well could be at risk of losing his life. The kingdom could have been overthrown that moment in time. The battle was about the sun. Can I tell you tonight, when there's a coldness in our hearts, when liquidity abounds, and coldness in our hearts, the battle is always about the sun. Which sun are you going to worship? Which sun are you going to adore? Is it the sun of God, or is it the sun of perdition? Which sun is going to get the glory. Which son is going to be lifted up? Is it the son who should be lifted up or the son of pride? Listen tonight, Adonijah was the son who tried to usurp the kingdom from Solomon. Solomon was the rightful king. And I remind you tonight, Jesus Christ is the rightful king of his church. And Jesus Christ is the rightful king of every heart tonight. Who's going to be king? Battle always boils down which son? It's always about the son. Hey, where's the son in your life tonight? Which sun is arising? We see the reason. We see the reaction. Would you notice the restoration tonight? Notice verse 11. Adonijah couldn't do that in secret because he had to let it out. Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, doth reign, and David our Lord knoweth it not? As we read through the remainder of the chapter, we know this. Very special people in the kingdom knew about it. There are people who knew. The battle was about the son. It's more than just about rebellion. It's about the battle is about the son. Solomon or Adonijah. Benaiah knew. Nathan knew. Zadok knew. But David was a place who was cold to the affairs of the kingdom. They had to wait on David. They had to find out, David, is this what you want? Is this David what you want to have go on? David, you, you make the decision. We'll follow what you want us to do. But David, is that what you want to do? And notice, David, we're going to see the restoration. We're going to see how God, God gets David out of the cold. Amen? We're going to see how God gets you and me out of the cold. Because we need to get out of the cold. Amen? 
So notice number one, we see recommended counsel. We see Nathan coming to him. Nathan comes to him. And I want you to see this. Nathan spake to Bathsheba. And he says to her, now therefore let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel that thou mayest say then on life. Hey, listen, you ought to hang on every word that's preached. You ought to hang on every verse you read in your devotion. Because it's counsel that can save your life. So he gets two sources of counsel. First source of counsel he gets from his helpmeet, Bathsheba. You know what uh, Pilate's wife told Pilate? Had nothing to do with that man. He should have listened to his wife. He should have listened to his wife. We have some godly wives in this room. Women who do read their Bibles, women who do pray, they're not perfect, but they walk with God. And I want to tell you, some of you men tonight, they're so bold and so braggadocious, and you think you're hot stuff. Every now and then, you need to be quiet and listen to your wife. Amen. She might have an angle that you need because she's your help me that God put in your life there. She might keep you from falling out of church. She might keep you on your knees before God. She might keep you in fellowship with God. You need to listen to your wife. He had his help me there. Notice in verses 15 to 21, she comes to him and tells about Adonijah and she gives an accurate report. She doesn't give an untruthful report. She gives a very truthful report. Notice verse 15. And Bathsheba went into the king into the chamber and the king was very old and Abishag the Shunammite ministered unto the king and Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance to the king and the king said, what, what is thou? Watch this. And she answered and said to him, My Lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God into thy handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. That's true. He made that promise to his wife. He said, I'm good. You're going to, Solomon's going to sit on the throne. You're protected. It's going to be good. And she says, Now behold, Adonijah reigneth, and now, my Lord, the king, thou knowest not. Did you know when you're in the cold, there's some things that are vital to your life that you don't even know about? You don't know what's slipping? You don't know who died? You know who went to hell? You don't have no clue about that? He, she said here, listen, she said to him there, and now, and Adonijah reigneth, now, my lord the king, thou knowest not, and he has slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and he's called all the sons of the kingdom, and Byrath the priest, and Joab the captain of the host, but Solomon thy servant, he's called not. And she said, O king, notice verse 20, the eyes of all Israel upon thee. Hey, listen, he had to get counsel. He had to be reminded he was so self-centered and so self-absorbed. He was worrying about his cold. He was sitting there, oh, I need more clothing. I need somebody to keep me warm. I just am so cold there. And she said, listen, king, you better listen, David. The eyes of all the kingdom are upon you. Everybody's watching. Can I tell you tonight, when you're cold, there are more eyes than yourself watching you. And God's doing something in David's heart because he gets the counsel from a Godly help me. Now he has a counsel of his help me, but notice he gets a counsel from a holy man. How many understand tonight? Nathan, Nathan got David out of trouble more than once. Amen. And you think I'm rough? You better read Nathan very carefully. He was rough. He was rough. But Nathan came at this particular time in a way where David needed to hear from him. And I want you to notice, I don't have time to read all of this, but you notice verses 25 to 27. He tells Bathsheba this, listen, I'm going to follow behind you, Bathsheba. You need to go to your husband. You need to talk to him. You better tell him what's going on. And he says, just as you do so, at the right time, I will walk in and I will validate everything you're saying. 
And she gives this consistent, truthful report about what Adonijah is doing. The king is still shivering. He's still cold. But he's starting to awaken in his senses. He's realizing when he hears Adonijah slaying sheep and oxen and Adonijah is exalting himself as king, all of a sudden David's starting to wake up. He's starting to, he's starting to thaw out. Can I say that tonight? He's starting to thaw out of his cold, right? And he's starting to thaw out there. And then here comes Nathan the prophet. Nathan comes in and he comes in like a prophet. He walks like a prophet. He talks like a prophet. He looks like a prophet. He speaks as a prophet. He carries his Bible like a prophet. He has the words of a prophet. He has the anointing of a prophet. He has the preaching of a prophet. He's the authority of a prophet of God upon his life. And he walked into that room and everybody sees him. They bow down. He says, don't bow down to me. I'm not God. But he says, I've got something to tell you, king. He said in verse 27, is this thing done by my Lord, the king, and thou hast not showed it unto thy servant who should sit on the throne of my Lord, the king after him? Let me say this tonight. When you're in the cold and somebody, though you might feel offended, says, hey, I think you're a little cold. I think you're a little bit withdrawn. I think you're a little bit too full of yourself. Thank God for recommended counsel. Because this unfolds right now. You're watching. God uses the two closest people in that man's life. He uses his preacher and he uses his wife to waken him up. Yeah. Well, I'm on a chat room. Well, your chat room is not worth anything. Get out of your chat room. Get into the book. I'm on Facebook. Get your face in this book. That's where you put this face. Okay? He gets a recommended counsel. Notice, secondly, he gets a rekindled connection. Look at 28 to 37. Something started to stir in David again. He hears these words from Bathsheba and he hears these words from Nathan. If you'll notice from verses, oh, verses 12 to 27, David doesn't say a thing. He's absorbing all. He's taking it in. He's kind of slow to react to what's going on there. And then the Bible says in verse 20, then David answered. Something stirred inside of David. David's fire to the kingdom and his welfare came back. And watch, watch this. Five people stood in David's life at this juncture time that rekindled a connection. Five people that are important to David at that moment in time. Because if they were not in his life, if he did not pay attention to what they represented, the kingdom would have been lost to Adonijah and Solomon would have been killed. I want to tell you something tonight. Satan has many tricks up his sleeves. Satan wants to overthrow Bible preaching churches. Satan wants to overthrow the preaching of the gospel. Satan wants to pour cold water on our missions program. Satan wants to pour cold water on our soul winning and our missions. Satan wants you to think, well, I'm getting old. Let the young people do it. Satan wants you to think, since you've been around church, you've done your time, whatever that means, then let somebody else do it. Satan always wants to pour cold water on the fire. So five people we find in verses 20 to 37 are, are come before David. Notice there's Bathsheba in verse 28. There's Zadok in verse 32. There's Nathan in verse 32. There's Benaiah in verse 32. You see these people coming back up. And then later on we find Solomon being mentioned here in verse 34. He has five people. What you notice and you want to write this down. Nathan in his life, Nathan stirs David about his duty. Nathan comes and says, don't you understand, king? You've got a duty. He had to stir his conscience like he did at the day when he confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba. He confronted him about his duty. Hey, listen, that's why we go to church. Sometimes it's a little fiery. Sometimes it's a little rough. And you want to sit back at ease and Zion. But I'm going to tell you tonight, we need to be reminded over and over again about our duty in the Lord. 
fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Nathan stirred David about his duty, but notice Bathsheba. In her tender, loving ways to help me, she stirred David about the domestic. She reminded him about his home. He reminded him about his family. She said, David, you've been aloof too long. And David, you're disconnected with your wife. And David, you're disconnected with your children. And David, you're disconnected with the next king. You're disconnected with all your sons. That's why you had problems with Amnon. That's why you had problems with Absalom. Now you got problems with Adonijah. And listen, if you're not very careful, David, you're going to have problems with Solomon. She, listen, she appealed to him. She stirred him up about the domestic. Listen, when there's revival, God will always stir your heart about your family, about your home. Because you ought to care about your family and care about your home. So Nathan stirred about his duty. Nathan stirred about the domestic. But notice there's Zadok, the priest. Zadok stirred David about the doctrines. He got loosey-goosey about his doctrines. I'm going to spark on there for a minute. And you need to help me with this. And if you're sliding on this, you better come see me right away. Because if I find out you're preaching other than doctrine, you're not teaching anymore. Number one, I want you to understand something tonight. If you're, if, if someone's saved and comes from a non-Baptist church, or they come from a church that was formerly Baptist but lost its authority, and they're losing their authority real fast, they're not in complete agreement with the doctrine of this church. And we're pretty thorough when we go through the doctrine with them. If that requires, if they're not like that, they, to show that they're in agreement with us, they have to be scripturally baptized. You said that's rebaptized. No, there's being scripturally baptized. Their, their authority didn't count wherever they came from. That'd be scripturally baptized. Show their agreement. I just got the question today. This is a live show. I hope they're watching it. Well, I'm glad you speak, spoke this morning, Pastor, about misunderstandings, because that's kind of evoked my question. My heart. I want to know why this church doesn't have open Lord's table. Why are you so stuck up and have a closed Lord's table? Well, I said, because we're scriptural. I said, you weren't here that night. I preached 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's table. It's a closed Lord's table. And if you have leaning towards other than that, listen, he taught 1 Corinthians 11 is written to a local church. It's not written to a universal church. It's written to a local church. He says, as you come together for this reason, who's the coming together? The church at Corinth. And they had some violations, things they didn't observe about the Lord's table. And here's the other thing. The Lord's table is only for the saved, baptized members of that local New Testament church. It's not everybody can come in here and have the Lord's table together. Look, first of all, you came from another church, and I opened it up for you to have the Lord's table. You didn't come from a Baptist church like this. You know what that means? I don't know anything about what's going on with you. I'm not your... By the way, if I'm your pastor, you should take the Lord's table where your pastor's at. I don't know what's going on with you. How do I know that the church you come from, that you didn't commit some immorality, had a doctrinal error, and that you've been church disciplined, and that you've misrepresented your, your reason why you're here, and you, you come from some other reason? You want to take the Lord's table? No way, Willie, you're going to take the Lord's table here like that. No way. No way. I don't care what the, what the millennials are doing if they're changing. We're not changing because this is Bible I'm talking about tonight. Zadok represented doctrine. Listen, you need to be beware of something. We're in a day and age. We've got to preach these messages, teach these messages. We've got to make people feel good. We've got to make people feel accepted. Hey, the moment you get saved, you're accepting the beloved in Jesus Christ. He's blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places of Christ Jesus. Get off this stuff of people feeling sorry for themselves. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get excited about the fact Jesus already forgave you of all your sins. Zadok represented doctrine. Hey, Benaiah represented defense. You guys are all with me as long as I do the dirty work. Why don't you defend the faith for me? Why don't you stand on the battle line? 
Why don't you take some punches, take some scars? Defend the faith. Contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. You stood for the defense. Why don't you defend your church? Why don't you stop listening to the belly acres of people complain about what's wrong with that building? What's wrong with this building? What's wrong with this property? I didn't get my parking space again. Hey, you ought to be thankful. I got a church to go to. Because I could take you some churches around the world. I could take some places where it's pretty poverty stricken and you just thank God that you got a place to sit down. Love your church. Don't leave your coffee bags and stuff laying around the church. Pick up your garbage. Amen. Don't come to church. Well, I'm excited about Heritage Baptist because we serve donuts and Krispy Kremes on Sunday morning. I remember the day when we had a dosage of the Word of God and His Word was sweet into my soul. And you ought to have enough stamina and determination to stand up there, Sunday school teacher, say, listen, pastor said it's more important. Man shall, live, man shall not live by bread alone. You don't need refreshments. You need revival. represent the defense. And I like what Benaiah said later on. David made this long proclamation. And notice what Benaiah said later on. Let me see if I can find it here. Notice verse 30. 30 uh, David's telling this long thing and he, he tells him what to do. Look at verse 33. The king says also to them, take with you the servants of your Lord and cause Solomon my son to ride upon his, my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there. Hey, that doesn't sound like somebody that was in the cold now. Amen. He's on fire for God. He's got his vision back. He's got his fire back. He's got the doctrine back. He's got the defense back. He's got the duty back. He's got the old. Listen, that's the old David we saw that killed the giant back in 1 Kings 17. The king said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon and my son to ride upon my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon, and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there, king over Israel, and blow you with the trumpet, and say, God save the king. And then you shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And notice Benaiah, he represents the faith. Listen, if you're going to defend the faith, you can't defend the faith by being quiet and shutting your mouth when you need to speak up and speak the truth for Jesus Christ. Benaiah spoke up when he needed to speak up, and he said, God, amen. People defend the faith, say, Amen. He said, Amen, God saved the king. And he said, and, uh, and he said, and God said, he said, Amen, the Lord God of my Lord, the king say so too, as the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. David needed to hear that from his minister of defense. Nathan stirred about his duty. Bathsheba stirred about the domestic. Zadok stirred about the doctrine. Benaiah stirred about the defense. But notice something else. Then we got old Solomon here. The battle is about the sun. Adonijah, Solomon. Solomon represented the direction. Solomon represented the direction. You're going to follow Solomon, you're going to follow Adonijah. You're going to follow the flesh, you're going to follow the spirit. You're going to follow God, you're going to follow man. You're going to follow your feelings, you're going to go by faith. What are you following? What are you following? What are you following tonight? He said, we're going to follow him. He said, listen, put him on my mule. I like this. He put him on my mule and broadcast and let him go down. You know what David was doing? The focus wasn't on David. The focus was about the sun. Get him on the mule. He's right on the king's mule. He's going to Gihon. Gihon's a spring. It means breaking forth. Hey, I like that. He's going to the place where the water is breaking out and the water is coming out and the spring is coming out and Jesus is being lifted up. He's the son of God who died for my sins and yours. 
He puts the son out there. He says, I'm going to lift him up. You let him ride on the mule. You get everybody around and say, praise God, the son is here. Praise God, the king is here. The focus was not on David. David had seated that already to Solomon. The focus was on the right son. The focus on the son. I'm saying tonight, when there's coldness, the son is not being emphasized. When there's coldness, the son is not being lifted up. When there's coldness, the son is not being preached. When there's coldness, souls are not being saved. When there's coldness, things are not happening. I'm saying it tonight, the son had to be lifted up and he was lifted up right then and there. But you're still cold. Because you're not excited about Jesus. I remind you tonight, Jesus, the mediator between God and man. Jesus is our advocate with the Father. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous. I remind you tonight, in the Gospel of John, He is life, and He is light, and He is creator, and He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I remind you tonight, He's the Son of God. I remind you tonight, He's the living water. I remind you tonight that He's the living bread. I remind you tonight that He's the resurrection and life. I remind you tonight that He's the way, the truth, the life. I remind you tonight that He is the true vine, His Father's husband. I remind you tonight that He's the Lord of glory. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. I can see him tonight with his his feet of brass and his eyes burning with fire and his hair white like satin, like silk. I can see him tonight standing there in all the glory and the church is bowing down to him saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm saying tonight the emphasis was on the king. Solomon's riding there on that mule. He's on the king's mule. He's making his way down to Brook Gion. The spring is blood breaking forth. The water's coming out. It's a symbol of Jesus Christ that he's the fountain of living water. The water's breaking out. There's excitement. There's enthusiasm. People are fired up because the sun is coming. I remind you tonight, the sun is coming. Jesus could come tonight for you and me. Rekindle connection. How's your connection to doctrine? How's your connection to duty? How's your connection to the domestic? But notice something else here. We see a revived commander. David got back his fire. David placed Solomon where he could be lifted up. He gave attention to the rightful son who was supposed to be on the throne. David's out of the cold. Aren't you glad about that tonight? Amen. David made sure everybody knew the right son was being left as king. So notice what he says. He says, okay, Zadok and Nathan, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to take a horn of oil out of the tabernacle. He says, I want you to take the horn of oil, and I want you there, Gion, I want you to pour it on Solomon, and you make it known publicly that the oil's on him. Hey, I like it. You know, when there's revival, there's oil everywhere. Amen? When there's revival, oil is everywhere. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. Listen, you can't have revival without the Holy Spirit of God. Oil's everywhere. Hey, let's get the place. Don't have little oil. Let's have great oil for God in the church. Get on your knees and face and pray down the power of God for God to do something there. Adonijah is trying to take the throne in the flesh. David's getting things back to where there's oil all over the place. And then notice Nathan brought the word David needed to hear. It wasn't easy for Nathan to tell him what he did. And by the way, Nathan was pretty kind in this particular confrontation. Can I tell you this tonight? Revival is always accompanied by the word of a word from God. You can't have revival apart from a word from God. Give us a little reviving, Ezra said. Revive thy work in the midst of years, Habakkuk said. So we find, we find the priest and the prophet, they anoint him with oil. We see Nathan bringing word. But notice this. Bathsheba made an urgent appeal to David. Watch this. You're not going to have revival where there's no prayer. She prayed like her life depended upon it. Yeah. 
She prayed like her life depended on. She went to the, she went to David and said, David, I make an urgent appeal. Don't you know this is what's going on? Hey, don't you realize today we are hanging the balance of the state of California, the United States of America on the upcoming elections, whoever gets in and what they do. Do you realize how evil the potential of the wrong governor getting into office here in California is? Do you know the potential candidate running that is evil that's running in this this state? What he could do? What he was the one that brought in uh, uh, domestic marriages and all that kind of stuff there? Did you realize what he could do if he's got all that power in his hands? Do you understand what's going on in our country? Do you understand what's going on in the world? Do you understand that we were in a space of grace right now in America? Do you understand tonight that this area, the Alameda County, Contra Costa County area, and San Francisco County, this entire area, Santa Clara County, it needs Heritage Baptist Church. It needs this church to stay on fire for God. It needs this church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It needs oil all over the place. It needs the sun lifted up. It needs to see answered prayers. It needs to see exercise of faith. It needs to see renewed vision. It needs to see a people of God that says, God, I love you and I'm going to do everything I can to exalt you. Man, David is thinking, talking, living like he was before he lost his warmth. He's out of the cold. He's out of the cold. He had this rekindled connection. He had recommended counsel. We see a revived commander. Notice the verses 30 to 53. We're almost done. Notice the restored control. The people are see Solomon sitting on David's mule. You know what? The people, they heard, they heard stuff going on, but some didn't. And they saw Solomon riding on the king's mule. I mean, I, the only way I could tell you how, how, how exciting this was is I take you over there to the Gospels on Palm Sunday when Jesus rode on the mule into Jerusalem. I mean, it was exciting. There's a euphoria that's surrounding the people. And the people are excited and they said, God save the king. And so there, there's excitement. And listen, listen, listen what it says there, how exciting this was. Uh, the Bible says in verse 38, So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule and brought him again. By the way, aren't you glad that all those people agreed together to do this? They didn't let their egos get in the way. And Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet. And all the people said, God save the King Solomon. God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him. Notice verse 40. And the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth rent with the sound of them. Hey, I like that. When there's revival, when you come out the cold, the earth is rent with rejoicing. And guess what happens then? Verse 41, Adonijah and all the guests are with him. They heard it as they had made an end of eating. I mean, Joe, I've heard the sound of the trumpets. Wherefore is this noise of city being uproar? You know, when you're out in the cold and you don't have a heart for God, you know, it, to you, a good thing is an uncertain sound. What's going on? What's all this noise? What's going on? You get, you get a little tense. Some, a few people start saying, man, you get a little more comfortable. People start shouting during the scene. You get a little uncomfortable. Hey, listen, there's shouting going on. People are getting uncomfortable there. And while he spake, Jonathan, the, the son of Abiathar, comes in and he tells them what's going on. And watch what happens. When they hear all this, they, they, they give them a report what's going on. Watch what these people do. Immediately they got scared. And, and this is what happened, verse 49. When all the guests who were at Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man away. You know when the sun's lifted up? That's how the cockroaches go away. It's how you get rid of the cockroaches. The pastor leaves, the problems stay. The pastor stays, the problems go away. 
Lift up the son. Lift him up. The people are happy. There's solidarity. There's unity. They're excited. They said God saved the king. You see Benaiah there at the forefront. You see, you see Zadok there at the forefront. You see Bathsheba in the back. Said, go on, honey. Go on. Get, get going there. You see all these right people in the place. And Solomon there just being lifted up. Listen, all those who were, who came out, who were adversary to David, they ran for their lives. Why? Because you know what? Evil cannot coexist with good. And unholiness cannot coexist with holiness. And listen, Satan cannot prevail against Jesus because Jesus is the God of peace who bruises Satan under our feet even right now. It's always about the sun. It's always about the sun. It's almost the rightful son. But David's in the background shivering in cold. He's withdrawn himself. He's, he's, not, he's not people friendly. He's not involved with things. He doesn't have the same fire. He doesn't have the same vision. He doesn't have the same faith. And then Bathsheba comes and Nathan comes. And they come as his help me. And they come as a holy man of God. And they come and explain to him and tell him what's going on. And he gets his fire back. And he gets his vision back. He gets the revival back. May I say to you tonight, you've had a visit tonight from a Zadok. And you've had a visit from a Benaiah. And you've had a visit from a Solomon. And you have a visit tonight. If you have a, if you have a visit tonight from a Bathsheba. And you have a visit tonight from a Nathan. But most importantly, we got a visit from God on high. Hey, let's cover this place with oil. Let's cover this place with the Holy Spirit. Let's lift up Jesus on high. Let's make sure from this Sunday going forward, we're going to do everything we can to make this thing happen and get Jesus exalted and have revival fire all over the church. Solomon's on the throne. It's all about the Son. It's all about the Son. Where's the Son tonight? Are we out in the background shivering away, cold, withdrawn, inactive, pulling back? In our mind, we're old and stricken in years, spiritually speaking. Let other people do it. Then the young people are worse than that. They say, who's doing it? Let's get stirred up tonight. Get out the cold. Let's get out the cold. You've seen the status. You've seen the symptoms. You saw a reaction that was affectionate. God covered him. God covers us. Let him cover you with love and mercy tonight. Let him cover you with long-suffering and patience, mercy. But he also had a reaction that was adversarial. It was dangerous. It's dangerous to get cold. Park ranger had spent his night going throughout the park. Temperatures dropped. As he got about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, temperatures dropped. He was bundled up, but not enough. He got to sub-zero weather. He went several miles. He was way in the interior there where he was checking out, looking for people that could have been lost. He's feeling the cold in his bones. He's not feeling good. He barely makes his way back into a, a shelter place that they had. They put these shelter places there, but there was no heating inside the shelter. It was just a cabin. He crawled his way there with his dog. He had a St. Bernard dog. He crawled his way inside that room and he got inside that room and he dropped down and he just felt comfortable. He was in a kind of fetal position and he just kind of curled himself up and he felt very warm then. And if you know anything about being in the elements, that is a very dangerous place to be when you get like that. He was on frozen. He was on frozen. And had it not been for the fact that it's St. Bernard, which St. Bernard's are known for doing this, that St. Bernard knew immediately that the master, it knew immediately that, that that ranger was in trouble. It started barking very loud and licking him on the face. How many understand when St. Bernard licks you on the face, it's more than just your face. It licks your whole body. Amen? 
puts his big paw on him and starts to wake the man. If that St. Bernard would have done that, that man would have slept into his death that night. It woke him up. Can I say tonight, that's what we need, just a little bit of God's love tonight, just to kind of give us a holy hug and give us a holy kiss on our side to remind us that we need to get warmed up tonight. We need to get warm. Hey, best place to get warm, get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. Peter was out in the cold. He went to the devil's fire and warmed himself up. And you know what? He got used to the devil's fire. He got used to the contagion of the company around him. And then he became, he became just very, very, very hard and callous and hard about the fact he was confronted about who he was and denied who he was. And it wasn't until the cock crew the third time that he realized that he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, being on the cold can be very dangerous for us tonight. Come out of the cold this evening. The Bible tells us how to beat the cold. You beat the cold tonight. You come to him. Get your duty. Get your doctrine. Get your defense. Get your domestic. Get your direction. Get it. Get revived tonight. Come out of the cold. Lift up the sun. Father, tonight, thank you this evening for uh, this incredible passage of Scripture that elevates the sun. It calls attention not to David. It calls attention to the sun, the rightful sun. Your son, Jesus, deserves our glory and praise. This evening we pray that as the, we realize the symptoms of a cold could just, it easily affects any and all of us. Helps us get out of the cold. Get revived. And refreshed. And refired. Get back our warmth. Lord, cover us tonight. Thank you for the covering of the robes of salvation and the garments of righteousness. Tonight I pray that as a church we lift up the sun. He's the great shepherd of the sheep who through the blood of the everlasting covenant makes us perfect and complete to do all the will of God. Lord, he's the chief shepherd and bishop of our souls. Lord, he's our great mediator between God and man. He's our great high priest. He's God, our Savior. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who's our righteous. He's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord who's our shepherd. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who's our peace. And he's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who's our banner. Oh, Father, tonight I pray that we waken us this evening in some area that's gotten cold. Maybe our coldness has happened. And Lord, tonight I pray that you put your finger on just where there needs to be a rekindled connection and a revived commander and restored control. And I pray this evening that, Lord, when it's all said and done for when we walk out of this church tonight, Jesus Christ, your Son, is the Son that's lifted up. The battle's for the Son. The battle's for the Son. And God, if Jesus is less than number one in our hearts, help us tonight to recognize He alone deserves our praise and He alone deserves the glory. This evening, Lord, I pray if someone here is not saved, they'd realize they need to receive the Son tonight to be saved. They need to call upon the Son of God to save them from their sins. Lord, have your way this evening for the glory of God. Heads bowed and eyes closed. In a moment, I'm going to give invitation. Let's get out of the cold. Let's get out of the cold and meet with God. Father, have your way in this church, I pray. In Jesus' name. Let's stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. You need to come. Make your way. As you stand up, make your way to the altar. Join me this evening. Let's get out of the cold. Get out of the cold. What's your reaction tonight? What have you gotten cold to? What have gotten cold to? David got revived in his duty. David got revived in his domestic. You used to be there, but you're not like before. You're withdrawn. There's something inside all of us that says, I will be king. There's something in all of us that wants to exalt itself. Rekindles connection with duty, with the doctrine, with the direction, with the domestic. Revive it tonight. 
hearts need to be on fire for the Lord. Then Jesus said this, For I know thy works, for thou art neither cold nor hot. He says, Because thou art lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. We're in between, we're lukewarm, that's not good either. That's the sin that makes God sick. Let's find our way tonight. Where iniquity shall abound, the hearts of many grow cold. Coldness is associated with the abounding of iniquity, lawlessness, sin. Father, tonight, thank you for mercies and grace. And all of us feel a sense tonight that, Lord, that the Son needs to be lifted up. And that's the most important thing about 1 Kings 1, is that the rightful Son is lifted up. He's exalted on high. I think about Solomon there at the fountain of Gihon. The spring bursting forth. Waters bursting forth in abundance. The fountain of living waters. I can't think of a better backdrop to Solomon being lifted up. There's no better backdrop, Lord, than for us realizing when Jesus is lifted up that waters are flowing. He says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Father, help us have a burden for friend day, for our family and for our friends. I pray this evening across the room that spiritual medicine has been applied to our lives. Spiritual medicine has been applied to our practices, our beliefs. Standing firm for the Lord, loving you, loving your church, loving our family, thankful for our marriages, loving our children, thankful for the co-labors we have in Christ here at Heritage Baptist Church. And we know tonight that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power to love and a sound mind. And Father, we pray you take away the fears that might be in our hearts, and Lord, help us to realize that to have courage and to come boldly before the Lord. And so tonight we lift up our requests and needs to you this evening that you might be magnified and glorified. Thank you tonight for this story about David and Solomon and the sun being lifted up. Thank you. It's always about the sun. Help us remember that tomorrow as we go on our journey, it's about the sun. Confirm our decisions. Bless them tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.